Electronic Specifier. This episode is presented by the Passion for Technology podcast by EBV Electronic, the show for semiconductor aficionados. Hello and welcome back to Electronic Specifier Insights. Today we're joined by Johan Svensson, who works at Imint Intelligence, Image Intelligence AB. They're a video enhancement software company. Hi, Yuan. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. I'm uh, yeah, recovering from uh, some virus I had here, but I'm uh, doing fine now. So thank you. Oh, pleased to hear that. Um, shall we start with an introduction of yourself and your background? Uh, yes, I'm Yuan Svensson. I work as Chief Technology Officer at Imint. Come from a background in engineering physics. I majored in optical physics and uh, prior to Imint, I spent more than 10 years uh, for GE Healthcare, uh, where I was an optical designer for their medical research instruments. So I joined uh, Imint in 2016. Okay, so it's been a little while then. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah more than I thought. I, I see myself as quite recently employed but that's simply not true anymore <laughs> could you introduce the company and a bit more about what it's about yeah Imid is uh, it's a swedish uh, software company and uh, we were founded in 2007 so it's uh, been a while but we have like the last 10 years we've been working on developing video enhancement software, mainly for the consumer electronics market, but also industrial markets. Smartphone market is definitely our biggest market right now, uh, even though we, we do other things as well. But customers and partners are mainly all the Android smartphone uh, makers, um, Xiaomi, Qualcomm, and uh, Motorola. Uh, yeah, we, we have uh, several products for video enhancement, but the most famous one, I would say, is video stabilization. Okay. Okay, well, uh, you've touched on smartphone cameras. As smartphone camera hardware and artificial intelligence software, they continue to merge. Could you explain what this means for video performance? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's kind of a... It, it, increases our toolbox that we can use for improving video with, with a whole new set of tools i would say that there you might be able to divide it into three things one is things that are were possible to solve with traditional classical algorithms but uh, we use ai methods and stuff like that to utilize the hardware that uh, keeps being implemented in in smartphones for instance the npus and the benefit of that is to reduce power consumption of the phone power is really important when you handle smartphone video in, in smartphones yes it takes up quite a lot of real estate doesn't it <laughs> yeah it, it, it does it does uh, the higher the resolutions the more requirements there are so. and also the, the second group would be like behind the scene stuff that an ordinary user won't see, things that could be used to, um, well, like pre-calculations, like upscaling, downscaling an image to have um, a suitable amount of pixels to do your calculations on. Th those are really, I mean, if you want to do tracking, you don't want to go tracking in, on an 8K image because it's just too costly. 
And the third would be things that would previously be like impossible to do using classical approaches, uh, like visual effects, where you kind of adjust the whole frame, every pixel in the frame at the same time. Uh, object recognition, like finding a cat in, in a frame would be virtually impossible using classical image analysis. But also like searching and uh, your video for content. Can you find cat in my video library? That would be impossible also. So I guess that's some of the things. So all of these don't necessarily need to be done on the phone, like the indexing could be done in a cloud solution as well. But yeah, it sounds um, quite mind blowing, really. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it's, uh, it opens up a whole new set of tools, as I said. I mean, they, I would say that the opportunity is much, much bigger now than the actual need. We, we have like super uh, sophisticated things we can do, but uh, we, we just need, there's still a little lag in, in uh, just uh, what we should do with them. I mean, user requirements are really there because it's just mind-blowing, as you said, what, what can be done. Yeah, indeed. What are some of the main applications of Emint's AI technology? I mean, we use, uh, for instance, we, we have a selfie mode, which uh, improves the way you film selfie videos, uh, which finds your face in the frame, and then it, it, we stabilize on that face and makes it easier to frame it. If you're on a video call and uh, walking or doing something else, the intention is just to, you, you should forget about framing yourself in the video and just go ahead and, and um, focus on the actual conversation. And, and we see there finding this face using AI for that was much more efficient and could do uh, more environments like dark environments where classical algorithms failed. So that, that's uh, one example. And you can also use it for like user intent classification. If our video stabilization is one example where we, we could go all in to just stabilize everything so it would be like rock solid, but sometimes you would actually prefer to do a, a smooth panning motion and uh, we can identify that, all right, this is a typical pan. So we can uh, assist in making that smooth and keeping the horizon in a certain level and stuff like that. Things that are small improvements, but uh, when you compare results before and after, you really see a difference. Yeah, it's something I wouldn't have thought about, in all fairness. <laughs> it's probably happening, just don't realize. Yeah, it's a lot of things happening behind the scenes, actually, in, uh, in video. Yeah. Yeah, although AI is, of course, vital, have you found that there are any pitfalls or limitations in terms of its capacity to enhance video performance? And if so, what work's been done to overcome this? Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, there are a lot of uh, pitfalls you can see. You can see everything. If well, you, you can Google and uh, see a lot of uh, examples on panoramic functions uh, gone wrong. When you try to merge several frames into one and something is moving, uh, which uh, the algorithm didn't foresee. And that looks like a 
I don't know, a really tall horse or a, whatever. Yeah, I've seen some like that, a stretched neck on a dog. And like yeah, exactly. It's worse when it's subtle and you can't really, you, you just see that, all right, that's really wrong, but you can't really put your finger on anything. But I, I mean, that's something. If, if you're kind of a video geek like I am, you can see like these behind the scene functions, a, a noise reduction. You can see where that really didn't work out well. A lot of those, I think, pass the average user eyes with just, all right, I'll just snap another picture and it may look better or it won't. But I'd say it's, it's mainly caused by m most AI algorithms working on smartphones are built on these neural networks that are, they need training to work well instead of a classical algorithm where you send in a number and then you just calculate the right output. Uh, a neural network is kind of, you, you compare the input image to a preset training database or something, and then you guess uh, which one it is, uh, which use case or, or whatever. And I, I think what needs to be done is to make better training databases. Databases, uh, I think that's where it is, but it's a, huge work that needs to be done as well it's you really need to i mean smartphones is probably the worst case to start with this as well they work in such various uh, surroundings and they see all kinds of objects and they need to work in each case using like in an industrial setting it's much easier uh, if you have a camera to uh, identify the quality of a screw or something that's much easier because you can control virtually every parameter. A lot of video and, and definitely large companies are bringing in a lot of effort in, in supplying us smaller companies with good data. Google continuously updates their databases so we, we can uh, use their training material. So that's uh, good. Yeah, sounds really, really interesting. Didn't realise there was so much going on behind the scenes. <laughs> oh, it is. <laughs> Could you tell, tell us a bit more about modern video stabilisation software and intelligently remove unwanted motion? Can that happen? Does it smooth out the video that remains? Definitely. We have... Actually, our company started with video stabilization, so we, we kind of went all the way from very basic technologies. And uh, when we reached maybe our third generation of like technical platform, we kind of thought that, all right, this is as good as it ever needs to be. We handle virtually any case and it becomes stable enough. But we kind of saw that there was something missing anyway. and. Uh, I mean, stabilizing a video is not really everything either. It, it needs to really look good and mimic like a professional camera user. You need to really select what kind of motion to preserve or even add in an image. We can stabilize a video so that it's really completely stable. We have full control over uh, the motion. And then we can just add some, like I said, 
earlier, some panning motions or just some natural movements that makes it all look um, like you it was shot by by a professional. So I think that's the foundation of our, we, we recently launched our fourth generation and that kind of contains all this new and uh, well, more modular approach as well. We, we can control more of the output depending on what kind of use case we, we see. Oh, brilliant. Um, what are your thoughts on the impact of COVID restrictions? What have they had on smart, smartphone video-based communication? Uh, it, it really boosted the usage of video and um, like people who had never considered using video, they, they kind of started that both on on professional level where conferences uh, was done remote using video links. That's definitely one, one thing, but I, I think it's also interesting to see that on a personal level, people kind of turn on their video during a phone call just because it, it feels much more natural now. And I mean, yeah, just, I'm not gonna argue that video is better than a face-to-face -face meeting. It's really not, but I think we kind of realized that it's the second best thing. It gives much more interaction than just a standard voice call. It's definitely there. It's still not as convenient as it could or should be but um, but it's uh, yeah 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 i agree with you um a telephone call you can't pick up on someone's body language um you can't see but they're happy they're sad because sometimes voice doesn't just portray that by itself so yeah i completely agree that it's a lot more popular <laughs> yeah yeah it is i think it's nice to see that even my parents use video now and they uh, kids here and they uh they love to talk to each other in, in that way and it, they, they can be as happy seeing a short video clip of them when they're playing or something that's uh so it really brings in value that general people kind of discovered now that it is they, they see the value in video and the moving the timeline you get and the opportunity and, and ability to actually bring in motions through the, the camera. Yeah. And the next one, which is obviously another COVID-related one, how do you predict that smartphone and video-based communication will fare after COVID restrictions are normalized? Do you see a big dip in that or how do you see it? No, but I, yeah, I, I think definitely some of the forced uh, video conferences at work will probably be reduced, but I think there will be some of my trips to my customers. Uh, we, we kind of established new ways of working. I, I live in Sweden. I have most of my customers in uh, Eastern Asia, which is kind of a hassle to travel there for, for a short meeting. And I think that will, will not uh, go back to, to that either. But um, for uh, consumers, I think they will definitely use video the, kind of the same amount as um, before the pandemic. Um, it's uh, they, they kind of got used to it and it went pretty much quicker than than I expected, at least. I think, I mean, here in, in Sweden, it, I don't know, it took a week of lockdown and then everyone was like, hey, 
Can you tell me how this video call works? Yeah. Yeah, you know, you just go back to uh, before the pandemic, I hadn't even heard of Zoom. <laughs> and platforms like those. And it's like, yeah, quite interesting to see the growth. Um, in general, what are your predictions for smartphone video-based communication? Are there any particular breakthroughs that you're looking forward to seeing in the technology? I think, yeah, yeah to start with, I think it's behavior when you use video more that will lead to like an increase in in flat rate fees for uh, data consumption and stuff like that which is isn't common globally at least it's uh, it works very differently but when you can stop worrying about your data amount uh, draining then it's definitely going to be that's one thing, and and also the expansion of the five G network, where you uh, everything will be better. You the quality will be higher. All the uploading and downloading times will be well, it will just be seamless. So that's one thing. If you're looking like breakthroughs from a technology side, I'd say there's still something going on with uh, video quality. I still think uh, the technical side of video will still increase for another year or so, still lagging a bit behind like still images if you have that as a, as a baseline. It's not possible to do all the improvements still, but soon. And I think the next time is to make video filming easier and more convenient for the user. Uh, I think that's the next step. If you have, uh, I think our selfie mode, we got a really good traction with that because it's just there it just makes it better and easier to use it's not like it, it's still your face in a video it's just that you yeah you're a bit more centered and and you can get one of these things that aren't as it would be in face to face meeting it, it, then you won't, wouldn't have the distraction of keeping your face in a, in a square so I think those kind of functions will be there. And I think taking videos, it's also much more complex than taking a still image, uh, taking a photograph, because you have all these, you have the timing aspect. You, you need to take the video, you need to start and end the video while exciting things happen. And there are a lot of videos just waiting for something to happen, but it didn't happen. And I mean, from a technical perspective, it's definitely doable using AI to identify the interesting parts of a video and uh, just trim trim off the rest so uh, so that the viewer doesn't need to sit for ten minutes waiting for something to happen. That's not so much fun. I think for the third and maybe maybe my last prediction here would be more of a cooperative way of shooting video, of making video stories. It's kind of, there are so many cameras out there, and but there's still individual cameras. What if my family, when we go to some event, would actually be seen as a camera crew that could, we can use each other's material, we, could have some kind of software just combining that to a, a, a better 
video than just like putting our sequences after one other another and selecting the best angles and uh, doing that. I mean, it's kind of strange. Me and my wife, we both had cameras, but it's virtually impossible to do something. Or it's not impossible, but it takes a lot of steps to combine our video into a, a good and interesting video. So simplifying that process would be quite good for yourself then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think everyone would uh, would actually appreciate that function, uh, everything. For, I, I mean, look at big events where you have thousands of cameras. I mean, just you know that if you're on a football game and, and you're sitting quite far from the field, you're not going to get the best shots. But But you know that some people are sitting right in the best spots and uh, maybe if you can use that video that would be really uh, attractive i think so i think it's coming yeah that that does sound really really cool um is there anything else you'd like to discuss with us today no but i think i'm uh, i'm good i really enjoyed uh, talking about this one of my favorite subjects so uh, it's been great oh i'm pleased you liked it Johan. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today and good luck with the future. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. This episode was presented by the Passion for Technology podcast. Subscribe now and dive deep into the world of semiconductors. Electronic specifier.